is the Cutline Podcast with your host, Michael Cavalunis. Florida swing continues and the cut line is going to break down this DFS slate the only way we know how with a touch of fun plenty of analysis and lots of winners come Sunday hello Canada hello USA hello UK hello Australia hello Germany Netherlands hola Spain Singapore Indiana Minnesota California New York New Jersey Florida Canada love Canada Let's see, the UK, we got you. Lithuania, you keep coming back. New Orleans, New Zealand, worldwide, worldwide. It's great. Now, arguably the greatest drink of all time. Hey everyone, it's me, Zach Prohaska from Cocktails and Dreams. And in this video, we're gonna be making a cocktail for all you golfing fans out there. We're gonna be making a John Daly. Now, for those of you who don't know who John Daly is, he was a professional golfer that was known to be sipping on a spiked Arnold Palmer. Now, along with arguably the greatest golfer of all time, brings us to one stacked PGA tournament, the Arnold Palmer Invitational. But before we dive in, I want to give a massive shout out to the community that surrounds the cut line. I know a lot of you support me on Twitter. I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. But a few of you have reached out and I've gotten to know you, and I just want to say thank you for all your support. Eric, loyal listener, Corn Fairy Caddy, man. Love it. Solid DFS player. Give a shout out to Ryan. Even though you're the dumbass of the month, we still love you and love you up in Minneapolis. Nick, out on the East Coast, man, a PGA gambling wizard. But a huge shout out goes to this lucky guy. My man Rich lost 90 pounds sticking to diet and exercise. Huge news for him. Want to support him in his endeavors as he continues to better himself. And man, I'm looking forward to those 300-yard bombs on the golf course. Maybe a few Jaeger bombs, right? We'll do something fun, dude. Proud of you, man. Nice job. Keep up the efforts. Whew, fun times. I'm Michael Kevlunas at Lunas on Twitter. L-I-U-N-A-S. And why am I so angry? Not that mad. I played light, but so what? How about all that Matt Wolf I had in the mayo? Oof. In a tournament where you're guaranteed 6-6 six six and you only end up with 5-6 come Sunday. Ends up with some bad lineups, right? Bad lineups. Even when you have the winner in those lineups. Whew. Bad. Hey, Witcher on the first round. But that's going to get us straight to the good, the bad, the ugly. Good. 
outright winner. That's right, got him. Like many of us had Morikawa for the outright win. Plenty of money in our bankroll. I'll take it. I love it. I love the way that Rory played. We said we should take him. And talked about fading DJ. And man, that paid off for the price that he was at in this tournament. Lots of great calls last weekend. But of course, Matt Wolf ruined it all. Of course, the bad Matt Wolf with the withdraw. That swing, man, yeah, it generates tons of speed. But if he's off at all, it's brutal. Anyways, last bad for this for this tournament. The course, man. The concession course looked good for a PGA Tour event. Why are we going to events up in Minnesota? Why are we going to these terrible courses for PGA Tour events? Baffles the mind. Anyways, can't fix the PGA Tour. Can't fix the PGA Tour app, which is arguably the worst app in sports Oh, it's brutal. Brutal. Now, the ugly. The Tiger Woods accident. Thank goodness he's okay. Relatively okay. Major injuries with the legs. Not too concerned about golf right now. I want him to get healthy, get back on his feet, spend time with his family. That's what I'm looking forward to, Tiger. I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him go home. And we'll worry about golf later, man. Thank goodness he's okay. So, we are going to now break down the API. And the cut line is here to bring you in-depth analysis of said tournament and i'm gonna do the best i can to make sure that you're cashing big on sunday in addition i'll be sure to bring in timely wax green sides on traps and a putt that might drop in through the back door and the cut line's gonna do what it does best it's gonna make sure that you're cashing big on sunday and getting six of six golfers through the cut line Plenty of wieners and winners. But if you need leverage, I know I'm going to be checking out FanshareSports.com. And even with my own personal ownership projections, I know a second opinion is incredibly important. The guys I trust, Fanshare Sports. So if you're not subscribed, very easy fix. Go to FanshareSports.com. In the discount code, write the word CUTLINE, and you'll get 20% off your monthly membership. Ownership is not a leverage to be belittled. And of course, the way we build our rosters, not just with Manchester Sports, but with PJ Tour and Fantasy National. Are your lineups in the gutter? You're ending up in the wrong end of the flag stick. Turn that flag upside down and turn it round. Top of the GPP with PJ Tour, Fantasy National, and Fanshare Sports. Bay Hill in the Arnold Palmer Classic is where PJ Tour brings us next as we continue our march towards Augusta. Players next week, by the way. Course history, scoring, bunkers, and water are many of the key attributes that we're looking at, but let's take a look at Bay Hill, a par 72, 7,400-yard course with long par threes and Bermuda greens. Bay Hill's hosted the tournament since 1979 with Arnold Palmer renovating the course back in 2009. And, of course, Molinari won in 2019, but we'll be talking about him a tad later. Bay Hill and Lodge shouldn't play as difficult as it did last year because... We don't have that bad a weather as we did the year before. But golfers will have their work cut out with them. And the API typically ranks pretty high up there in course difficulty. Um, all the par threes are between 225 yards. So it, it, it's easy to see why all these are averaging above par. Um, there's also four par fours measuring between 450 and 500 yards, which play into the top seven of difficulty in scoring relative to par. So one would think that bombers 
have a huge leg up on this course, but there's so much water, plenty of bunkers that force golfers to make very calculated shots off the tee. Accuracy will play an important role off the tee in approach around the green with the short stick. It's big, man. It's big stuff. These are massive greens. So if you're going to play anyone who uh, likes the smaller tracks, look out here. So you want to be as close to the pin as possible, and that helps the golfers score more. Key stats of the week for me. Ball striking, strokes gained tee to green, off the tee, approach, greens and regulation gain, strokes gained on par threes that are 200 yards plus. DK scoring. I am not looking at scrambling. I am not looking at strokes gained around the green. Most penalties occur from the water. Most penalties incur from the bunkers. And three putt avoidance is key but the question is who am i going to play this weekend these two putts from victory only needs one Ooh, got a member's bounce there boys that's birdie all day long this is the cut lines birdie or better segment where I break down your top tier all the way down to the 7K range in my, oh my, we have a doozy up here at the top. We are looking at Rory McIlroy, Bryson DeChambeau, Victor Hovland, Patrick Reed, and Terrell Hatton. And let's be frank, guys, all of these golfers are key. I don't think you necessarily fade all these golfers, but I'm going to say one thing. Right now you're looking at Terrell Hatton, Shock. Victor Hovland chalk and Rory McIlroy chalk and the reason you look at the course history Rory's got an averaging finishing position in the last five years a fifth place Hatton won last year of course Hovland played amazing last weekend at the WGC the Genesis before that and the Farmers before that he's on the verge of victory so we need to be conscientious of that but let's break it down let's get in a deeper dive first with Rory okay in the last 12 rounds, in terms of approach, Rory ranks 22nd in the field. In the last 48 rounds, 26th in the field. So he's always looking solid at approach. He's always done very, very well here. I am waiting course history very much. I do like Rory's game last weekend. He struggled out the gate, but guess what? He fought it, fought it off, and got to the top, uh, got near the top, sixth place. He was dancing on Sunday, but of course, as what's been most recent with Rory, he struggles come Sunday. Now, the thing is with the projections, average course style ranks number one. Course projection ranks number one. Tournament projection ranks number one. I love Rory McIlroy here. I thought he would be a little bit more money than 11.5. Still expensive, don't get me wrong, but it does not deter me away from wanting to play him this weekend. When you look at kind of like research and how he's played recently, looking basically at the last 36 rounds, Rory ranks number one in in just the overall rank third in ball striking 23rd in approach 16th in par fives first in birdies are better gains second in DraftKings points and he ranks 65th though in that par three 225 uh yards so it's kind of key there to kind of like deviate away from that but it, it, it's most definitely an interesting weekend here if you want to go to rory i totally get it i would go to rory i understand that i'm gonna go to rory but still point being he's playing well i'm going to play him Moving on to Hovland, we've all seen how well he's played. He played amazing on at, at the at the Genesis and or sorry at the at the WGC Workday, but it was that one eighteen hole 
triple that probably cost him the tournament. Um, too much to overcome. Couldn't put any more pressure on Morikawa. Needless to say, he's been playing amazing golf. It's hard to fade someone who's doing that. Right now, still not the chalk donkey. It's not what I'm seeing here on the on the initial ownership run. But still, 20% is very high, but it's most definitely warranted. If you want to fade him into, into three max, I understand it and go somewhere else. But the point is that he's playing excellent golf. It's hard to ignore that. We always are anticipating a letdown. I don't know if some of us are pessimistic and we look for the for the for the worst in these golfers, but if you want to find flaws, course suitability metric you can find on Fanshare Sports ranks 37th only. But you look at the dance rank, the aggregate rank, the overall stat rank, and my confidence model, number one. Aggregate rank, number four. Overall stat rank, number two. The only thing he struggles on is putting on Bermuda. It didn't really matter last weekend, did it? Finished second place. That was Bermuda. He's used to it, man. He's on fire. Recent form, second at the, at the workday. Fifth at the Genesis. Second at the Farmers. Okay, course history here doesn't say, like, play me, play me. 42nd the year uh, last year, 40th the year before that. So we're looking for some vast improvements here for Victor Hovland. And, of course, Patrick Reed, he's the guy that everyone hates to roster for whatever reason. But right now we're looking at 14% ownership, which is, again, a leverage position in my mind. You look at, at, at the fact that in the last 24 rounds, in this field, Patrick Reed is number one and Braves are better gained. Number one, we talked about not needing driver distance. We're talked about not needing great drives here. That's fine. Patrick Reed, T to green, ranks 25th in this field. I'm going to take pieces of Patrick Reed this weekend. I think it's well warranted, especially in MME. Moving now on to Bryson DeChambeau. If DeChambeau ownership keeps going down, he's a pivot leverage play in this top tier. He gives you salary relief of $500 from Rory, right? And we've already seen the images of people saying, well, if Bryson drives it this far, he can drive the green. I don't think he's that insane to do that. But then again, we've seen him do stupid stuff before. Course history is pretty strong. Fourth place last year, 46th the year before that. In 2018, he was runner-up. And of course, didn't play in 2017, but in 2016, finished 27th. So in four of four made cuts, that's an average finishing position of 25th. And the only outlier would be that 46th. You get rid of that. And we're having an average finishing position to top 10. I'll take those odds. Now, recent form, suspect at best. 22nd last weekend, but he's coming off a miscut in the Genesis. He's obviously trying to figure things out. You see this in his approach game. Uh, typically in the top 20 in the last 12 rounds, he's 31st in the field. Uh, it, there, there are things about Bryson that you're hoping he figures out. People are off him probably because he just hasn't looked as good as you want. You remember the viciousness and brutality that Augusta did to him. What, what do you think the API and Bay Hill's going to do to him if he's off his game? It's going to eat him up. The thing with Bryson, the thing that made him separate himself at the U.S. Open versus all these other tournaments where he seems to be struggling is the approach game's off, the putting's off. So hopefully Bryson can find that. He's most definitely a pivot play in terms of ownership. Projection model ranks him third. Style, 10th. And then, uh, of course, on the official World Golf rank, he's in the top 10 as well. And I'll take him at sub-15% ownership. So um, Terrell Hatton, it's just so hard to back-to-back in tournaments. And I know it's been done many, many a times. It's just I'm not going to play Hatton here. 22nd last weekend, I get that. Um... Uh, First place, you know, last year, there's a lot of upside to be said for Hatton. It's just I'm not interested in going that route because he's 
of the ownership right now. It's driving upwards 20, 25%. Not going to take pieces of that. All right, so we go to the 9K range, and there, this place is pretty loaded. Like, you're looking at Fitzpatrick, M, Matsuyama, Spieth, Day, Casey, and Tommy Fleetwood. Uh, Fitzy, M, Spieth, and Casey are the guys that I really like. I don't hate Matsuyama. I don't hate Day. I don't hate Fleetwood. In fact, Jason Day, I, I, I bet him to win because I don't think I'm going to play him in DFS. And and that's just a, a, a choice I'm making here this tournament. Um, we got two withdrawals in a row. I don't think that'll kind of deter people off. But what is kind of like curious is the fact that how well has games been recently? So 7th place at the AT&T, 18th at the WGC, right? He's ranked 36th in my approach model in the last 12 rounds. And this is coming from when he was struggling like in, in the last 36, last 50 rounds where he, you know, he was bottom half of this ranking system. Um, so Jason Day is in play. I, again, I don't know if I'll get to him DFS and I get it. Well, why are you betting him if you don't think you could play in DFS? I, it just... It's just a way to get different. I don't know if Jason Day is going to be popular. I might get to him. We'll see. It'll be a better question, a bit a better answer on Wednesday. Uh, Jordan Spieth, where's all the love? We talked about Jordan Spieth coming back to golf, returning, winning, dominating, and what? Because he finished fifteenth at the Genesis. We're off him. What about the third at the AT and T? The fourth at the Waste Management hasn't played for two weeks. Did we forget? No course history, so we're not going to play him. Come on, man. Come on. Sixth in the last 12 rounds in my approach. 27th in the last 24 rounds. Eighth in scoring in the last 12 rounds. 41st in the last 24 rounds. The guy's a putting machine, right? Could totally get hot. And he's sneaky. He's sneaky good here. 29th in my overall stat model. 34th in my aggregate model. 21st in my confidence model. I love speed here, especially through reduced ownership. The guy has figured something out in his game. I'm going to ride him until he just fails me, lets me down, gets a, misses a cut, whatever the case may be. The fact is he's playing very well right now. I do worry about certain aspects of his game, right? I worry about that off the tee game. Is he going to end up in the water? A ton. It's a risk I'm willing to take. Obviously, I'm not going to play speed and cash games, but still. I'm going to play Jordan here. I'm going to assume he's going to club down and he's going to make the smart play great approach shots, and score with the putter. I, I think there's tons of upside here with Jordan Spieth, especially if we can get down to single-digit ownership. The last two guys, they're going to be popular no matter what. Sanjay M, the Terminator. I haven't seen him for a while, but that's okay. You know, he was buying a house in Atlanta, hanging out with James Harden. Thing is, he hasn't really been on his game, the Sanjay that we'd like to see. He has made cuts, don't get me wrong, 28th at the WC Mexico, 17th at the Waste Management, 32nd at the Farmers. But I like like top 25 Sun JM. I like top 10 Sun JM. The nice thing here is we got course history that's very beneficial. Third and third in 2019, 2020. So th that looks great in terms of the fact that he's made two straight cuts here and finished top five. The same with Fitz Fitzy. Uh, two straight top 10. Second in 2019. Ninth in 2020. So both these guys are on the verge of potentially winning this tournament. Uh, the only thing that I'm worried about here is they're not, like, dialed in an approach, okay? Uh, there was a point a little while ago where I think Fitzy was a little bit sharper. Right now, those numbers have gone down. And of course, Sung Jae-in, we talked about him. They're just not consistently, like, dead on. We talk about proximity, and it's something that really killed Kisner last weekend, right? I know a lot of people said the course was too long. It ended up being too long for Kis, but the fact is that, like, he had opportunities to score, 
the course just became too long because of his inaccuracy in, in, in getting pars on the par fives. You can't do that here and expect to win. Uh, in terms of projection models, both Sunjay and Fitz, in terms of like the style, finished top 20. Fitz, in terms of the course projection, is a little bit higher. He, he ranks like 29th. There's more course history here, while Sungjae ranks 4th overall. But in my tournament model, both rank 9th and 4th, respectively. So the last guy I want to mention here, Paul Casey. Paul Casey is more of like one of these flyer low, like he's going to be higher owned. Um, I thought he would come in lower owned and I thought people would really go to Tommy Fleetwood, but they're not. I think the fact is that he's just so good in approach, so good at scoring and so good off the tee that he's kind of like one of those can't miss plays. I think he's a solid cash option. 21st in my overall stat model, 14th in my confidence model, 20th in my aggregate model. So Paul Casey is an option. Like, like don't, take him as like a uh, like chalk play that you don't want so i'm most definitely gonna look at him and, and, and take him this weekend looking at his td green game though in the last 24 rounds ranks 21st in the field all right so then we do go to tommy Fleetwood with nine thousand. i don't know if i'm gonna get to him he's been brutal right he fits that category of like dfs darling when everyone played phenol when he resided in that like low eights 7k range Fino, that that that's. I wish Fino was here this weekend. By the way, I think he could have won. But anyways, Fleetwood though is now sitting at nine thousand, and everyone was playing him, hoping he could get his first PGA Tour win. I just don't know if it's gonna happen. I would love to be a part of it. I really would. I just don't know if the API is the right place for Fleetwood to get his first win on tour. Now he is going to be low owned. We're talking single digit ownership for Tommy Fleetwood. This is a guy who's finished third place here. 2019, third place, 2018, 26, 2017, 10th place. But that's the time period that I'm talking about with Fleetwood. We were very high on him. Recently, it hasn't looked so good. It hasn't looked so good. He's been playing overseas. Don't get me wrong. He's been doing okay. Um, did play last weekend at the WGC Workday, but finished 44th and didn't look too sharp. But hopefully getting those four rounds in, gets him ready for this weekend. If I have him, it'll be sparing in terms of use. I do like his ability on this type of style course. He does rank third in my projection model. And uh, it, it, right now, we're going to see how just lineup shake out in the in the lineup builder if I'm going to get to Tommy Fleetwood. Um, going down to that 8K range, I jump all the way down to 8,600. That's where I'm starting this 8K range. And, I, and, and it rounds off here with Jason Kokrak at 8,100. I have no, one, no other interest here in this 8,000 range except for that 86 to $8,100 range. So that includes Zalatoris, Max Homa, Burns, Leishman, and Kokrak. Um, we're going to start with Zalatoris. This guy is an elite golfer. He, he's going to get his win sooner or later. You look at his recent form, 22nd at the Workday, 15th at the Genesis, 55th at the AT&T, 17th at the Waste Management, 7th at the Farmers. Is a miss coming? Is a miscut coming? I don't know. It might be. Um, but the fact is he's looked very good. You do worry about exhaustion with these golfers, but I think Zalatoris is trying to prove himself, trying to get on tour, right? But in the last 12 rounds, you have seen hiccups in his approach game. So that does leave me suspect that you know a miscut could potentially be on the way especially with the course it's difficult as the api in bay hill but the fact is fourth in my overall stat model seventh in the aggregate model fifth in my confidence model next is max homa <clears throat> we talk about like you know a guy just having a year this could be max homa's year like traditionally you look at his approach game he's middle of the road right but in the last 36 rounds he's top 20 last 24 top five last 12 top three 
Okay. Has course history here. Only one only only one tournament last year where he finished 24th. But you look at his recent form. Obviously, he won at the Genesis. Let's, let's not take that away. 7th at the AT&T and 22nd last weekend. So he's still competing. He's not resting on his laurels. I think Max Homa is just one of those years, man, where he's got it all dialed in. He's ready to play. and He's got it all together. I, I will take Max Homa this weekend. Um, Sam Burns. Burns on Bermuda, 15% ownership. That's the only thing that scares me. If that number keeps getting higher and higher to like 20%, you don't play 20% Sam Burns, man. You don't, especially at $8,400. You don't play 20% Sam Burns. I have a hard time playing 15% Sam Burns because the guy's game is just so inconsistent. I get it. Bermuda Burns, we're on Bermuda course, blah, 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 blah. Talk about like him and, and, and the course history here, which really isn't that good. 36th, 54th, 49th. I know the recent form, four or four straight mates cut since the Farmers. Average finishing position, 21st in that time. So there is some upside here, but um, I don't know if I can get to him in DFS. I'll, I'll gamble him. Don't know if I can get to him in DFS. Jason Kokrak and Mark Leishman. I really thought Kokes was going to come in lower owned, but he's not. He, he's getting talked up in the industry, and you know there's some smart guys out there. So they're going to talk about some like leverage plays here. And Kokrak is, I thought he'd be more sneaky, man. I, I really didn't. I thought people would overlook the fact that he finished ninth place last weekend. And Leishman finished 39th, but he's almost projecting to be the same ownership. And of course, that's course history driven. Leishman with a second place last year, 23rd, 7th, one in 2017. Kokrak was back-to-back top 20s. And then... You know, a miscut at 56, but another top 20 in 2016. So the course history is beneficial for both. You just got to be curious about, like, the approach ranks here, right? Leishman, iffy at best. Like, you're playing the course history narrative here. He loves playing Bay Hill. Fine. That's the case. But, like, the approach game's off with Leishman. Just just pointing that out. In terms of the overall stat model, both don't grade out that well. But when you look at their course history, of course, they're doing well. Projections model, both has them in the top 30. Kokrak, in fact, in the top 15, and the style projections both in the top 25. So most definitely looking at the 33rd and 30th ranked official world golf rankings for Leishman and Kokrak. I like them here. So let's go down to that 7K range, and this is like the loaded area where, again, you're going to like make or break your lineups down here. For me, it's Cam Davis, Lanto Griffin, Tregale, Hoffman, uh, Bezudnut, Corey Connors, Luke List, Keegan Bradley, Wyndham Clark, and Chris Kirk. Okay. It's a long list. Don't get me wrong. The 7K range is long list. I'm not going to go through every golfer and berate into your brain why you need to play them with every stat and everything like this. But I will say this. Of the guys I mentioned here in this 7K range, only two of them don't rank in my top 20. And that's Bezudinut. And I can't even say his name right. <laughs> and um, Wyndham Clark, who ranks 31st, just outside the top 30. So, like, all these guys are solid. I love Tringale at 7,700. He is really coming into his home. He's 26th at the at the Genesis, 7th at the AT&T, 17th at the Waste Management, 18th at the Farmers. He hasn't played here since 2016, where he did finish in 27, uh, 27th. So we do have some experience here. I like Lanto, man. Lanto and Cameron Davis, like these are guys that are solid plays. We usually find them like in that low seven, six K range, but they do have some course history here. They fit this course very well. I I have no doubt in my mind that like these are upside plays that you need to take advantage of. So the one guy though, that, that I just 
think is really sneaky good here and not getting a lot of love is Luke List. He fits this course so well. The only thing you worry about is the putter. Now, the thing I love about List, he's an amazing approach player, okay? Don't need that long distance. 10th, 7th, 17th, okay? That's his three starts here in the last five years. So we're looking at an average finishing position of 11th place. That ranks 10th in the field. Now, we are coming off a missed cut at the Genesis. I know that's concerning, but that's after a 30th at the Waste Management and a 10th at the Farmers. So we know that the upside is there for Luke List. I already bet him to win, and I think to top 10. I think there's some value there too as well. Historically, though, on like this style, this course style, it doesn't really fit it, but on this course particularly, this projection, ranks sixth overall in my model. For this tournament, 39th. So he is kind of uh, low in that regard, but at $7,200 in that kind of upside, I'm going to take advantage of it. I think he has a very low cut percentage, lower than 35%. So based on my simulations, there's a lot to stay here about Luke List. Now, of these 7K guys, they all rank in my top 30 in terms of the confidence model. In my aggregate model, all rank top 40. In my overall stat model, all rank top 35. So, something to be said here, your worst putters in this field that I mentioned, Corey Connors on Bermuda, Luke List on Bermuda, Keegan Bradley on Bermuda, Wyndham Clark on Bermuda, pretty bad. Chris Kirk, pretty bad on Bermuda. But again, Putty's pretty fickle. I, I don't really take those into like too much consideration, especially when you consider the fact that these guys are going to be like the bread and butter of your tournament this weekend. So um, last two guys I want to mention, Lanto Griffin and Charlie Hoffman and Tringale, last three I'll mention, and Davis here up in the 7K range. Top 10 in the approach model in the last 12 rounds. So... But that's it, man. That, that, that is the 11 through 10K. The question is now, who am I not going to play? No. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No. 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 Hell no. Can't do it. This is everyone's favorite. The can't do it, won't do it. Double digit ownership that we can't play. Can't do it won't do it and there are three three this weekend first of all i know that this guy's got elite course history i know this i'm well aware of this but i'm also well aware of how bad he was for oh so long on pga tour and that's molinari molinari right now is coming out as your chalk donkey over 27 percent ownership does he fit this course absolutely ranks 37th in my confidence model and lee aldrich's course suitability metric ranks sixth overall in the approach model last 12 rounds 26 in the field last 24 rounds 41st in the field you look at the course history one in 2019 26th in 2018 seventh and ninth that's three top tens one of those being a win Recent form, 8th at the Genesis, 59th at the AT&T Pro-Am, and 10th at the Farmers. But I can't get the fact of how bad he was for so long out of my head. It, it, like, is this random success for Molinari? Did he actually figure things out? I get that his best putting surface is Bermuda, but he's a terrible putter. 
I'm not going to buy this. Like, we've seen success, right? We saw him do in November 15th at Houston Open, but that's after a miscut at the Shriners and 53rd at the WGC Mexico. Miscut at the Genesis, miscut at the Farmers, miscut at the American Express. Like, I don't know if I could play double-digit own Molinari. Now, the only way this changes is if, obviously, people take the same sentiment and go... I'm not playing double digit on Molinari. Well, maybe then we go back to him. But still, Vegas loves him. Got him in the top 10 in their rankings, you know, in their odds. So you got to make the choice. Me, can't do it. Won't do it. Next guy I'm going to mention, Henrik Norlander. Norlander is just a price play here at $7,200. He's coming off a miscut at the Genesis, miscut at 2020 here at the API. Awesome approach player. Don't get me wrong. Awesome at scoring. Great on Bermuda, fits this course so well. But again, another guy at $7,200 getting too much love. 18, 19, 20% ownership. If it stays that high, no thank you. Can't do it. And of course, number one rule for me in PGA DFS, we don't play double-digit owned 6K players. That massacres your lineups, man. No Matt Wallace. Right now looking at 10 to 12% ownership in the 6K range. The course history here, obviously impeccable. 24th in 2020, 6th in 2019. And at $6,900, saves you so much salary. But at double-digit ownership, 6K man can't do it. That's it. Those are the three. Let's go to the MG, man. Monsters and guarantees, 6K range. <laughs> Pillar. He is a monster. He is a monster. Miscut. Miscut. Martin Pillar. I guarantee he will make the cut. Martin Pillar. Miscut. Miscut. I guarantee he will make the cut. Martin Pillar. <laughs> a monster. I guarantee he will make the cut. So this is the MG Monsters and Guarantee where we take the 6K range and give you guys that we feel can finish in the top 25 are monsters of the 6K range. And we got six of them for you. Can all six finish top 25? God, I hope so. One hell of a lineup if you can get that going. Matt Naismith, Zach Johnson, Aaron Wise, Doug Gim, Kyle Stanley, and Rory Sabatini. First of all, Doug Gim, I bet him to win, man. I bet him to get his first win on tour this weekend. I bet a lot of him on to win, hopefully like three, four grand, something like that. I can't remember exactly. Point being that, man, we're coming off a miscut at the Genesis, right? But his approach game, pretty decent. Okay, it's middle of the road. So for someone at $6,600, I'll take that risk. I'll take that upside. But where I love him is in the overall stat model. He ranks top 20. My confidence model ranks top 40. Doesn't necessarily fit like the course of suitability metric, but Doug Gim's a good golfer, man. At 24 years old, I'll take the the, the shot at him. If you guys notice, Matt Naismith is like my bugaboo, man. I'm going to keep playing this guy. I love his game. I think he fits every course. No, does he? Absolutely not. But here, $6,900. Sixth overall in my stat model. Sixth overall in my stat model. Third in my approach. Long-term, historically, a great approach player. We are... 
looking at recent form, 20th at the Genesis, 16th at AT&T, 7th at the Waste Management, 48th at the Farmers. So that's four or four straight made cuts in most recent form that I'm looking at. Now, we did miss the cut last year, but so what? First time seeing the course. I'm okay with that. I'm going to go to Naismith here, play him at $6,900. Zach Johnson, I think, is not getting enough love. I really do. I like He's getting like 2% ownership. And this is a guy who here at the API has made five of five straight cuts. All you need is a hot putter, man. Hot putter, and you see what happened in 2016, where Zach Johnson finished fifth in this field. Um, of course, you know, an average finishing position of 34th place, it's not going to get it done at $6,900. You need him to finish top 25 or better. And the scoring and approach games recently have been off. Hopefully, this time off since the waste management has allowed Zach to kind of clear his head. So we'll see. Um, I like Zach Johnson here. Last play, and I think is the most volatile and risky of this 6K range, is Aaron Wise. Aaron Wise does fit this course. Let's not let's 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 not get away from that. But 25th in my confidence model, 22nd in my aggregate aggregate model, 9th in my overall stat model. You look at the course history, 40-41, uh, back in 2019, 2018. So it's not impeccable course history. Don't get me wrong, but 20th in my approach model in the last 12 rounds, 15th in the last 24 rounds. That's looking good. I like seeing that about Aaron Wise. Um, I might even go back and bet Aaron Wise. I'm not quite sure if I will uh, officially, but I think there's some upside to go down that road and and maybe for him to get his second win on tour. This track might be a little bit too tough for Aaron, especially with a guy who, who is just so inconsistent, but you do look at the fact that in the last you know, 36 rounds, he ranks top 25 in good drives, top 20 in strokes gained tee to green, top 30 in ball striking. So those, these are things that we'd like to see for Aaron Wise. Hopefully it pans out. He is going to end up in some of my lineups, and 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 we'll go from there. So we mentioned Doug Gim. Last two guys, Kyle Stanley, Sabatini. You always like Sabatini as a first-round leader. The guy's pretty consistent. Again, these are more like ownership plays, both of them coming in sub 2 3%, and these are guys who I think fit this course very well. So... Kyle Stanley, Sabatini, Sobs, man. You never know who's going to show up to a top 25. Again, Sobs can always be the first-round leader and then end up finishing like 45th, 60th. Who knows how that's going to work out. thing I like about Kyle Stanley, 2018, 2017, finished top 20. And that's what we look for in this 6K range. Did miss the cut in 2019, but recent form looks somewhat decent. 32nd, 39, 36, starting off at the Genesis. So some big upside here with these 6K guys. All right, let's take it home. Let's take it home. Oh, you men are all alike. Seven or eight quick ones, and you're off with the boys to boast and brag. You better keep your mouth shut. Oh, I think I love him. That's it. It's over. It's all over. That is the cut lines breakdown of the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Join us next week as we break down the Players Championship, the fifth major, quote unquote. Come on, man. Coursing in a major quality course. Get out of here. Get out. Special shout out to Fanshare Sports. Want to thank Fantasy National. Want to thank PGA Tour. But most importantly, we want to thank you, the listener, for spending your time with us. Thank you so much. Love you, suit. Join us next week as we break down the players. Let's go get some winners. Sunday's yours. Sunday fun day. Go and get them.